1: It's the Britflix.com podcast. It's the BritFlix.com podcast. Welcome to another Britflix.com podcast. Today we've got I've got with me Graham Oldbury. Hello, Graham.
2: Hello, good morning. Oh, I shouldn't have said that.
1: Oh, you should. That's fine. We're talking in the morning.
2: <laughs> oh, okay. think <laughs> it might have been that he listened to it. Um, but,
1: yeah, no, no, no. It's good fine because I mean, obviously, it's it's the fun of podcast anyway because people will download them and listen to them at any time they want. So um, that's all part of the fun. Um, so we're we're talking today about a new documentary that you're featured in called Battle Mountain. Yeah,
2: absolutely documentary film. I think it's about an hour and a half
1: yeah and, and and a little bit more um, and uh, i guess we should point out really for those listeners that are not au fait with you because i mean i mean from my point of view um, i'm i'm i mean i'm not that much younger than you i'm 44 um, but i only came to cycling in 2005 as a as a thing to do i mean I it's a kid like but you know as a thing to do for commuting and stuff um, and not long after that was the film The Flying Scotsman with John Lee Miller, which was the, the story of himself. Um, which which really opened my eyes, because I had no idea. I mean, I obviously knew about the world record, but I didn't know about the other elements about about yourself.
2: Um, you, absolutely. That was... Um, that's the nature of that story. You, 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 well, you try your best to keep the what's out of it, and it's just a film about bikes or something, but um, it's just too juicy for filmmakers to keep out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but that, I mean, the, but I guess the context for this is that you, you know, you you bef- before doing this challenge, you are a person that's that's held world records for cycling. D-
2: d- absolutely, and from from a British perspective, the World our record that, that Bradley Biggins broke um, last year. And he did that for a reason. He wasn't interested in the world records. He was interested in that particular world record. But it's the one that stands out as above and beyond all the rest of the added together.
1: Now, before, before, we get into the, before we get into the documentary, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated because I remember reading, there was a book called One More Kilometre to the Showers, which was about a kid growing up in Birmingham with a kind of cycling cycling uh, family. And in it, he does like a potted history of... of um, Cycling administration, which uh, which obviously uh, you came into contact with with uh, with all your various bike designs during the time during the nineties, I guess. Um, but but um, it seemed that the British love a um, love a race against a clock. But back in the, back in those back in the fifties and sixties, the idea of racing each other was considered vulgar and very European. So what what is it about the purity of racing a clock?
2: Well, if you go back to the history of British cycling, it was actually the the actual main government of the country that actually banned it. Uh, It was actually against the law to to have mass start racing. And the the time trial, the the rider getting off at minute intervals timed, wasn't actually a race. It was, in effect, a bunch of riders timing themselves with the help of somebody at the side of the road, timing, timing them also. So there wasn't a race taking place. This is the way round of bike racing being banned in British roads. because the Continentals loved my start racing, so it was a, almost a survival strategy for the sport, and that became the, the whole. It's a very, very British affair.
0: Mm.
2: So when Chris Boardman and I, and the whole test attack with the, our record in, in, in world pursuit championships, uh, which I won twice, not been egotistical, but um, <laughs> the, as you see, a part of history, and that was driven in the back of time trial which is a very much rasp and gasp and um, how much can you gasp um for a set distance and how fast can you do it and whereas the continents tend to sorry the continentals were very much into mass start racing and a time trial would only take place really as part of a, of a bigger and um, stage race event
1: mm. as, as we see when we when we the, the big coverage we get now tour de france well, that, that, absolutely,
2: that that's an example of it, and that was the continental thing. So they one, it wasn't their culture. Secondly, and um, they didn't come become that practiced at it. We became very very adept at aerodynamics and annex, um, everything to do with the time trial because that was not the mainstay of the British sport.
1: Mm. So like so so let's give so the the film Battle Mountain. Do you want to give a brief sort of? Can you give a brief synopsis as to what it, what what it is about? Before we go
2: into more well, detail. What, what it was about is just, um, this this guy who's 40-something. I said, you better the wrestler. And <laughs> I'm still kind of fit and stuff like that. So what did I do? And, and I, I was sick and tired of the regulations. And, and to be honest, I was actually very fit. Mm. Um, uh, the late British champion Jason McIntyre was, was racing right next door to me when I was 42 mm.
0: um,
2: and I'd always kept fixed I, I refused to own a car and I love riding around the countryside. So I made a very good punt of it and, and we won a couple of races each when we raced together. Right. And I thought oh my goodness and I almost broke my own Scottish record which I'd set in 1993 in the height of, of the of the whole, oh, my heyday, you could say. Mm. So I was going pretty good at 42, which we now know is actually quite young. Uh, so I thought, well, here, what am I going to do with this fitness? I'm not going to be back into that whole maelstrom of rules and regulations. So I actually came up with the idea of going to human power vehicle racing, which is there's no rules. Mm. And, and, and basically you tell yourself into human power to pedal out of a bike that you make or people help you make. Um, with no rules, how fast can a human being go on a human propelled vehicle basically, so it incorporated all the elements of height design height building and, and the physicality of it, but also from the point of view that, as you were saying you came to cycling when you were 2000, but 2005 or something like that yeah,
0: yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Now, there's a whole pile of people like that I and mean, it's not just people like yourselves, it's young people i um, I have been very blessed to be asked to go and speak to schools, and young people, and they look up the, 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 the parts of the fine Scotsman story and, and, oh, you don't have to create a washing machine in, in the kitchen and stuff like that, kids love that, mm. but they weren't even born. <laughs> so I thought, I just, well, I'm not going to do this fit forever, and, and like, now is the moment. If they could do something that actually inspires people to not wait for corporations, or, or wait for someone other she to come along, uh, demonstrate proactive go-getterness. And, and also the fact that you can fail at something, and it's okay, or or you could do mediocre, or you could do great, but you're not going to get anything by doing nothing. So I thought, um, this this has got to be a bike that... Um, I'm not going rushing about the place getting the best possible bike on the planet. I'm going to recycle stuff, and I'm going to build it in my kitchen, and, and, and it's like... Um, just the bloke that's... Well, I didn't imagine being kind of part of a team of some folk help me, but I end up being dust at two o'clock in the morning and thinking, <laughs> oh, why did I start this? But but really what my remit was to demonstrate you'd go and do something if you have a vision or something to to young people in their lifetime, not looking back last century.
1: Well, I mean, it's it's interesting you mentioned the washing machine thing because you, jo- you joke in the documentary about sort of... Being being known for the uh, for the bike made of washing machine parts, which is Old faithful, the bike which you you did break the uh, the the world record on. Um, but then but then as part of what you what is now what got christened by Chris Hoy the uh, beastie as the uh, vehicle that you use in the bat- Battle Mountain Challenge becomes then <laughs> the beacons of its design becomes pots pots and pans and roller skates from a charity shop.
2: Well, absolutely, it's part of a Because Part of the reason they don't own the cars is because of environmental reasons. My one, not own the car won't make any difference, but if I give an example, not not of sacrifice, but not owning the car and, and just riding about the place. A, it's healthier, and two, you don't need as much um, government tokens as money. To actually finance a car, so you, I can ride about the countryside on a Tuesday afternoon because I don't need to rush about getting tokens to get the car to get to work to pay for the tokens. <laughs> so, um, but I demonstrate um, a, a better way of, of life for people. And why oh, not on wow. a car? Um, if that if that's an example, that. That that helps a process of of people thinking you don't have to just be the rat the rightness of 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 doing what everybody else does. It's good for the environment. Okay, okay. I
1: never thought about that. So there's there's an there's an element of sort of self sustainability, as it
2: were. Well, well, I wanted that from the start. Recycle um, <laughs> as much as you can to, to show that you don't need to just throw something away. You don't need to wait for some corporate. An entity to provide you with some thing that that you envisioned having. Um if you've got a vision and creativity, go and just do it yourself mm. without um asking for permission or, or or anything else. I wanted that whole element of it. Um, mainly driven by young people to show that um that you can actually go and do something. Like, when I was young, I would just stare out the school window, and, and I always wanted to be... Because my childhood was, was, I would describe it as rather unpleasant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I stared out the window, always imagined being somewhere else, like, like through Rainforest and, and, and Explorer or something. Um, but young people nowadays can't... I actually, dream about being an explorer because it seems that everything on Google Earth, and, and and there's nothing left to do, and, and one person can't do anything, and 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 you really got to just be a cog in the machine. So, if if there's one statement that really sums it up, I want to show you don't need to be a cog in the machine.
1: <laughs> well, I think definitely, definitely that, and then literally, you are a cog in your own machine.
2: Well, <laughs> the thing is, I, I think that everybody can be in their own way. Yeah, yeah. We're living in a world where we need cooperation to make crops and everything, and, and you have to you have to be part of the cooperative society. But mm. in your own way, your own hobbies and aspirations, you, you, you can you can go on your own path and your own vision.
1: Where, where did where did this? Th- the sort of love of of, of engineering begin, you know, because because I mean, how do you realise that this this the sort of instinct for this machine that you love riding, that you think you can work with it and improve it and begin to understand it? Because you're you're, you know, for, with with the washing machine element being a sort of an iconic thing people talk about, but you you're kind of resolutely sort of low tech, aren't you? In your approach, you're very much a kind of thumb up to look. It's 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 instinct. You know
2: where does that come from, or where does that confidence come from? Well, it turns out to be a lot low, low tech than what what I thought it was, and then when I saw how the real people with real knowledge did it, then what again? more than the things this was 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 the humility to realise I don't really know very much, <laughs> which is a great thing. Actually, it's a great thing to actually learn. Yeah. Um, but the actual engineering background came from being lucky enough to be just just the tail end of a generation that would fix things rather than throw them away.
0: Right.
2: And my dad had a, had a shed and and also, um, I had toys when I was younger that things that creative toys like um like building blocks and, and, and the metal that um you would join together with and, and make things out a piece of metal and bolts and stuff. Yeah. So that was that was very manual and creative. So there was that element and also I was very fortunate when I took up cycling, I had no money. So it's, it was a case of fix it or don't have anything to write on. Hmm. Or when you get into the racing scene, you want something to be as, as light, as fast as it can be. And I couldn't afford the very latest kit. So I would use old kit that was broken or something, and, and I would fix it or, or I would change it. And I've always hated bad design. If I see something that can be improved on. So why is it I always question things that are real, it must be really annoying to put around the question, well, why is it like that? Why can't it be better than it is? So, there was all that, always that, that element of it, how can I make something better? And here's a sport where the, the whole sport is not rules and regulations of what you can't do. Um, the whole thing about it is what is the cutting edge of how fast a human being ride a bike? Mm. So, I gravitate to is the physicality, as I said earlier. Um, and the creativity of you've got your vision going to it, and then just well, how fast can you go?
1: Well, it was it's interesting. I can't remember which, which guy it was, but one of the one of the people I think from the Glasgow School of Arts says at one point that uh, a computer can do a lot in terms of aerodynamics, but it can't do it all. You know, some something that might look good in a computer just won't work in the real world. So you still have to play with the practical as much as you do with the with the theory. And, and obviously, well, when you watch, when you watch you with your with the cardboard cutouts and the and the and the, 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 the little jib thing you made to, to sort of measure the widths, and you're lying down behind your sideboard to get a measurement of how narrow you can make your shoulders before, while while still being able to breathe through your lungs.
2: Well, that's absolutely true. And um, the problem with HPV is is actually getting access. To to get to the velocities in the real world to actually test that, that the, find out that you're really quite wrong. Hmm. So uh, it was just unfortunate I was actually in the fire when they found out how wrong I was. <laughs> um, so and and then you imagine. And i I, I was always liken it to like decorating. You think, oh, well it take us two a couple of days to to decorate the house, and and then you start, and it's taking ages. And you think, oh, why did I start? And it's taking so long. <laughs> and and it was never element of that. Um, so the bike that I used in Nevada wasn't tested um, because of so many problems and rectifications and it's like oh my goodness this was 2 o'clock in the morning with, with dust uh, on my own with angle grinders and the dust flying everywhere and, and, and it's like oh my goodness this is awful and this has got to be in a crate in Aberdeen in like 3 days or something. So. Uh, and goes it was quite chucking. chuck in this crate, it's quite a going in a van to a crate and then we'll we'll sort it in America, take tons of tools and stuff with us. And it was it was it was one of the, it was a very British affair, uh, in terms of ill well you could if it was an ill fated expedition um in terms of um you know, what, what ultimately ultimately did I, I pulled mediocrity from the jaws of absolute disaster. <laughs>
1: Um, I think I think you're under I think you're underselling it there, but uh, but what was what was so, I mean uh, one of the one of the key things I remember from the, the the Flying Scotsman film was the scrutiny you were put under by people who wanted to stick to rules and regulations and said that your bike design didn't was no longer a bike anymore and things like that. So with this challenge in mind, what was so liberating about the no rules aspect of the Battle Mountain challenge?
2: Well, the liberating factor is is that people are actually genuinely seeking the, the absolute possibility mm-hmm. i mean for certain sports, if you look at it um you know, now sounding really kind of weird but if you actually think about if there's, if there's alien planets out there which are must be inside the universe yeah then the certain sports are definitely going to take place um for any able bodied alien. It's not like slime mold or something like that, even the limb's moving about but certain sports are definitely going to do they're de- definitely going to get a sphere and kick it about and and do some sort of challenge with it and um, they're definitely going to see how high they can jump and and how far they can jump and and, and stuff like that there's definitely sports that will do and I believe that one of them would be how fast can an alien propel a vehicle
0: mm.
2: so um so this is this is the purity of the sport in terms of how fast can a human being propel a vehicle with with the cutting edge of, of any technology provided it's your energy. So once I was out there, I realised the beauty of, of the sport and what was different about it was that the people, although they're competitive and they want to get the world record for themselves as teams and, and individuals, they're also very willing to share any any breakthrough or any way of getting something just slightly more efficient. Because ultimately they share the common goal of how can one of us find a cutting edge? Mm. So there's a lot of cooperation and, and, and uh, people that are actually genuinely, although they're competitive, generally want the other person to, break, to, to push through the barrier of possibility. So you don't get that in other sports. It's like there's a Schadenfreude effect. If you want your, it's all about beating the competitors, not how fast can one of us or how best can one of us achieve something.
1: Yes, yeah, I guess it's that kind of that that weird looking back. It's that weird irony that the people that were telling were telling you that that your your bike design wasn't a bike. A lot of those elements are now integral to what is modern racing bike design, and certainly time trial stuff, isn't it? The the ideas that you were coming up with, which you were doing, you were coming up with it with the view of this is how to make bike cycling faster, not this is how I get get make money or anything like that, or I win.
2: Well, that's true, but a lot of the designs are actually have been actually they've made specifically rules for for what I did, Like what actually wash past people look at the. The the wash machine bike, and generally see it from the side and and and, and the tuck position. Um, a lot always hides. Well, that's very true, but um, also hides the third thing. And and one of the most important reasons I did it was to actually get the pedals closer together. They they've actually made the rule that your your bracket has to be a certain width, so that people can't go to narrow brackets. Oh wow. So so that is still the rule that you can't do that. So nobody even thought about the width of your bracket until the nineties. <laughs> and they called it the Q factor and and, and how can you, and there was a wee a wee small period, even even the um dare I say the name, Lance Armstrong that experimented with narrow energy bracket down. Um post the, that and then you thought, like, this has gone too far, and they the banned tuck positions, and, and, and the outstretched right hand is the, what they call the Superman position. And mm. um, so that's the three things I'm really famous for, but non-cyclists don't think about the narrow-bottom bracket because it's been written out of history, more or less.
1: <laughs> so, so I mean, obviously the film the film sort of jumps us to the prone bike idea as, as part of the story, but from from your design process... How how soon did you get to that solution, and 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 what other ideas did you play with for this for this yeah. Battle Mountain challenge?
2: Well, well, the gen the seed of this was actually planted in the nineties when I actually was involved in a project. Um, that uh, Jason Queeley, I remember two thousand, the very first goal that we got at Olympics post Borman. Yeah, um, I was like, wow, they stepped up and 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 and, 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 and won the of gold, Jason yeah. Queeley. Um well, this project we based wee, I'm I'm in Ayrshire on the west coast of Scotland.
0: Mm-hmm. You would not
2: drive a car and here's a project in Devon. Um so, so I was involved in that initially um, by the, the, the Hotter was the name of it, and the team that did that. They're uh, all very enthusiastic people, but but all of it in Devon. And, and I our minds, to kind of oh, there's not somebody local to do. So Jason Quilley got on board it, and he actually broke the the, the British record at the time out out in the very same Bat Mountain.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but but that was a a recumbent bike. The recumbent means you're lying back. Of course. And it, and even at this stage, prone bikes were being sidelined because they just went faster. They, they were always slower than the recumbent was. Where the, the speed was coming from, and that's the line that the sport is in, But I was very much into it prone. Um, I guess I guess we should so, say for, um, the, for
1: the sorry sorry Graham for the listener prone prone meaning your face forward. So you're 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 pedalling with your feet behind you, and your face is is the front of the bike, isn't it? Is the front yeah,
2: of the vehicle? See uh, head first, mm. uh, which does seem the more natural way to do anything. This head first of your the sky striding or anything, it just seems more natural thing to do, but. Um, but from basically from the principles of physics, thinking, well, if you head first and your feet are behind you, then if you can get your body more in a straight line, then the whole frontal area um, of the torpedo can be less than it is for a recumbent bike. So thinking, surely if the frontal area is left less, and, and this comes back to assumed, um, uh, well, assumptions based that I, was, I always believed in cycling, if you're smaller, more compact, um and then the teardrop lie as well. Mm. About aerodynamics is also teardrop tubing and teardrop shape everything. Mm. And I just assumed that that must be right. So if I thought do that as a more to the wider part of your body, your shoulders, thinking I can get the teardrop effect um, and a smaller frontal area. It's it's bound to be well, really, really, really fast if we can put the energy out and it's more compact and more shaped, then surely you're going to go quicker under the laws of physics. Mm. So that was what my concept was. But um, it didn't really turn out that way for those and those reasons that um, that I actually had to winkle out of the, the aerodynamics experts, people who actually work as aerodynamicists. Mm. Um, out there, not because they didn't want to share the knowledge, they just didn't want to beat me down But how wrong it was so I was going into second hand, the fingers of this and 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 this, all wrong with it so, for goodness sake and gaffer tape was only going to go so far to rectify it and and ultimately it came down to the tigers got to come back I've got to bust a gut at the edge of of, of, of not hitting the cactus uh, and not dying of asphyxiation. They can get a world record um, to walk away with some sort of aura and fulfilment and, and of, of, of the team and sponsors and everything. That's kind of what The same old, same old, come down to
1: like, you know, you've got your bus to go on it. If you don't already subscribe to Britflix, just sign up for free at iTunes, and you'll get the next episode right after we launch it. Or follow at Britflix on Twitter for links to the podcast to stream from the website directly. Thank you. Well, I mean, listening to your talk to the camera in, in the documentary when you sort of when you sort of sort of looking forward to the to the challenge, and this is where you where You're still sort of sort of still cutting up pans, I guess. And you're talking about trying to ride a bike, trying to ride a vehicle that's propelled by you, eighty plus mile an hour, hundred mile an hour. And the phrase you use is, you know, you've got to aim for the stars if you're gonna, you know, and you might hit the moon. But, but the idea that that thrilled you, as opposed to it would terrify the vast majority of people, was 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 a kind of an interesting aspect for me. Watch listening to your talk, you know, there was no fear in what you were saying. It was more about the the record to break, not the danger to you. <laughs>
2: Actually, there's not actually as much danger as you think there is. Go on. Well, <laughs> it sounds really really, 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 wild, extreme sport, but actually, there's been no fatalities.
0: But
2: hmm. um, all the people that's doing it, you know, the world record has now been pushed up to eighty-six miles an hour. Wow. Now you think that's not that far away from a hundred miles an hour? No,
1: it's not.
2: So keeping up there, I mean, and um, the the record that, that I broke. Which was a bloke built a thing in his garage and on the same kind of principles I did and went and burst the gut.
0: Yeah.
2: And I, I built a, a thing in my kitchen on the same principles of the 80s of teardrop and thinking that I know what I'm doing mm. um, and broke that bloke's record. So, from that level, it was a fair and square contest, although it was 30 years later, ultimately, if you, if you measure it away. But but the world record at that time was when he broke that record, that was the all time world record, was 54 mil an hour.
1: Gee whiz.
2: So, it's gone from 1980s technology, yeah, um, which were well, pretty advanced in 1984, beating the moon for 15 years. <laughs> and, and you think, okay, that's as fast a human being can go on a bike mm. um, on a straight line, 54 miles an hour, to now 86 miles an hour. So if you look at that advancement, you think, well, surely um, it, it, it can't be that long before... Um, the concept, the back of it, envelope calculations of human power output and the absolute possibility of aerodynamic efficiency, right, if you drew the math on it, shows that a human being could do a hundred miles an hour on a bicycle in human atmosphere on a straight road. So that's, I thought, well if possible, then surely why shouldn't it be me? Mm. So um, well, if you watch a film you can realise why it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, <laughs> but at least I, I came away with that block record and the fairness clear, seeing what it turns out to be the same level of technology.
1: So, so h- how intrusive was it to have the camera filming you during your process? You know, was was there
2: any? Uh, but it was the most awful thing, really, and, and just the constancy of it. And, and and to be honest, it's it's more than just about the thing. So really the first thing I wanted was after the Flying Scotsman and, and really that scenes with me being mentally ill and yeah and, and everything. The the deal with the Flying Scotsman was not a thing past nineteen ninety six can be in this film and then all those financial problems and all that. Um, it was okay let's put some some hanging scene and stuff in it and then <sighs> um I was put, all the money people are pulling out right? and so we so that, okay. So so that brought that whole aspect to my life into an audience didn't want it, so, um, and really I what, wanting this a, like, film, mm. um, but then it's, it's gravitating to be more rounded and then more round to the point of, like, oh, my goodness, so, I, I was, <laughs> I'm probably too close to it to see it, I mean, people think it's, it's absolutely splendid film and, and, and amazing and brilliant, um, but I'm the person that's in the Goldfish Bowl, if you, know, if you like, I don't mm. see the water and I'm too close to it.
1: Are you, about, are you talking about you
2: talking about the, the, the Fine Scotsman film? Well, no I'm
1: talking about this film. Oh this is the Batman um, sorry,
2: yeah. In in terms of um there's a whole lot of content, very very I was very, very, very honest mm. thinking, oh, I'll cut that out and edit. <laughs> but ultimately it was edited and Andrew didn't have much any input in it. And it's it's turned out f- from your point of view, everybody else but me thinks oh that's a brilliant film because I've been so dreadfully honest in it. Mm. And I thought, I'll cut that out now, but actually, <laughs> it's my, I'm laid bare before the audience, so... And which, I which, can I ask them, was you, was,
1: you, was you part of the editing process then? And
2: actually, I wasn't, no. Um, so, um, well, in a lot of ways, well, it's bad for me that I wasn't. But then, there's always going to be ego involved if, if you are in I thought, oh, I don't see that. So there's a lot of stuff wouldn't have been in. I had a vision trust me. Um, well, I mean, it must been, bit,
1: I, th- I, I mean, I thought you. I thought you. By by what is included, I found fa- I found you brilliantly. Sort of, it f- it felt like you were being very self analytical.
2: I, 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 I wasn't. And the nature of filmmaking is. Um, somebody films you over and over, just everything and then you honest, just say everything because you can't go back mm. um, once you're in the editing room and go right let's get everything in the can and we'll cut it out later and work it out and that mm. so so you the just honest about everything and we can cut it out later and um, and then there's all that honesty um, which actually you know what um, a lot of people could benefit from that um, that struggle in life or whatever Although having said that, there's no actual solutions in it. That's kind of how it was, rather than how it is and how it came, comes to be that it is that that I, that I don't have medication and, and I'm absolutely fine and not big depressions or anything else. Like, like,
1: but I think, but I think the fact the fact that you're talking to me now, the fact you're in that documentary, that they're they're totems of the fact it can be all right. You know, as low as you, you describe moments in your life where. You're at your lowest, looking back. That got that the, a part a part of the building blocks that got you to to where you are now. You know, for better or for worse. And I think that those those elements, I think they are. I think they're very revealing for those people who don't know the story. But also, I think they're they're also weirdly life affirming because you you got through that, and here you are taking on a brand new challenge.
2: Well, no, absolutely, but taking but on that challenge, and, and now everything you see in the film, was absolutely nothing to do with me being okay. I, that was a process of of very brutal and and, and almost complete change. Because hmm. so if nothing changes, then nothing changes. So you have to actually change your entire thought process and analysis and how you react to the world. Basically, we we, we overreact to the world, how only react to it. it's the only the only decision I ever make my life is the next one.
0: Mm.
2: So, um how you react to people's wants and needs, or or, or make a next decision about anything, mm. then um, there's been a whole pile of change in my life, which has made a difference. But but that that's not the film. But really, it's the film of the, this guy going to to America and this bike that is hobbled together and a whole lot of issues with it, mm. um, and and a pile of adversity. Um, <laughs> Um, and and a lot of honesty about my life and how it was and 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 in the past and and and, and all how it was at at that time and, and under extreme pressure with all of this, so. But as I say, I'm so close to it that um, I can't see its merits. And people have said, "Oh, it's I, 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 absolutely." I apparently there's been great reviews for it. Mm, so. No, I'm sure, I'm
1: sure. I mean, that was my my sense. I mean, I've watched it a couple of times now, and. Um... Yeah, no, I, I, I think, I think it's. It, it, uh, I mean, obviously, you're you're too close to it, it, to to begin. It, but as context, it's 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 really important because when we when we watch you in the throes of this current challenge, the sort of intensity and those kind of moments of isolation as well that that you're seeing, it, makes sense knowing where you've come from. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense?
2: But well, it, it does I mean, make sense, absolutely. For, but it's. I think it's it's. Um... It kind of really the same old um, situation from bike racing. Mm. Like people will watch a track race, and, or, or me try to win the World... Well, I did win the World Pursuit championship, mm. but it was a neck and neck thing right down to the last lap with a towering guy. Yeah. Who was actually in better shape than I was, mm. um, and, but I beat him because I was the guy that needed to win it. So, uh, but it was right down to the wire, and, and people, oh, I said, that was the bit one, Some folks have said, that's the best pursuit match of watching a whole life mm. but for me it was the worst one ever <laughs> um so it's kind of like one of those situations where it, it's a great film um from the outside point of view but mm. from my point of view it really you know what oh, hard see for good to say of course and, and 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 that that ruined my soul in a lot of ways so um and, and honest but my history which will help a lot of people yeah
1: you you, 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 um, you... You you love you love a metaphor, and and I enjoyed. I certainly enjoyed. You use the film's book ended with a, with a one you, you compare yourself to a tiger. Um, and but I did like your um, when you were recollecting as a kid what cycling meant to you, and you talk about this idea of it being like a magic carpet ride out of town, um, which you know, like I say, I'm I'm someone that came to cycling as an adult quite late, and um, I did a few bike rides. Myself, where I'm, I cycled from London up to Manchester uh, on my own, and and it is there's something really I don't know I don't I can't I can't describe it, but that was the best. of, The idea of magic carpet ride is quite is quite apt. You know, you can just lose yourself and be free on on a on a bicycle. It's really simple that simple. I think sometimes. Well,
2: I think it is, but I think a lot of people don't. You do bike racing or bike riding and, 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 oh, I just love it, but you can't quite put your finger on it. <laughs> but, but actually, I can put my finger on it, because that's the moment where you're in the moment. Like, when you're actually riding a bike, you have both hands on the handlebars, you're not, or I better email this person back or something, and you're thinking about the next road and stuff like that. A lot of people who spend the whole time, their entire lives, thinking about tomorrow or what's going to happen with the business or the job or, or anything, that's the only moment they're actually forced to be in the moment, mm. um, I and mean, when the only place you actually like the life, and, and actually being in the moment as part of my new life that actually makes me so much better than than than, than I was.
1: I mean, I mean, live, living in that moment. Um, when 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 you watch that, when I was watching those test runs of you on the on the on the old airstrip in the rain, and and the the the, the, the test vehicle you've got. You know, you keep keeling over on um, on your side and it kind of, break, I think, it breaks the shell if I am be rightly. Um, how, how in those moments did you manage to sort of keep sight of the opportunity and the potential for success when it must have been a hell of a fug that, that fell over you and, and, and the rest of the people you're working with, you know, that, that maybe this isn't possible?
2: Well... I think a lot of it was, was actually, at that point, you've got to draw in the past, where hmm. so everything seems that it's, it's, it's terrible and you're not going to do anything, it's going to be disaster, or, or you're not going to achieve your goal, whereas um, I've got a policy of a, another cup of tea in Cairo, regardless. <laughs> it's perhaps a very British, but... Um, and ultimately, you are going to achieve a goal or not. But, but ultimately, what messages sent to these very young people, back to the young people, is say, Oh, it's too hard. I can't do it. I'm giving up. Mm. So, um, success or not, it goes. Well, you just you got the vision. You carry on with it. So, you don't think this? All of it is about giving a good message to people who are young haven't had the benefit of my adversity in the past. So, so that if it wasn't for that adversity in the past, I wouldn't have been strong enough to carry on. So you think, we well, have got to be thankful for your adversity, because it's a great opportunity to make you stronger than you are.
1: Yeah, I mean, I suppose there's, there's, there's an old, there's, there's, a, there's a, I can't remember the exact words of the phrase, but it's sort of like if you're, if you're not uncomfortable going into something, then you'll never grow, as it were. But,
2: but that's absolutely correct. So that's where I see it, and that's where you don't realise the value of your past until you're faced with something where you need the strength and vision for the past to be. where it—that's ultimately was was the solution.
1: So, so I mean, the other thing I noticed, and this again, this this probably fits in with your you sort of where you started the conversation about sort of wanting to be a bit more um, aware of sustainability, but also providing a kind of um, example for younger people is that you know the bikes that you the, the bicycles you ride on when you're training you're you're not you're not you're not taking advantage of the, the the you know the most advanced kit there is in the world i mean when you're on your turbo trainer in your, in your front room you're just on some like an ordinary hybrid with a with a rack on the back and when you're out in the sunshine in, 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 down, down by the mediterranean you're you're out on a mountain bike just lugging around the, the roads and stuff I mean, it, is, it seems to me that, you know, for you it is just being on a bike. It isn't about the, the space race that goes on with bicycles and stuff that we see in the kind of consumer end of it.
0: Well,
2: um, I don't know if I'm the only person on the planet that does this, but I differentiate two very different types of bike. Right, uh, and two different types of effort. because the effort that, to win bike races in the nineties, when I was, or, or even the two thousands, when I was racing Jason, it was all about how fast can I go for a given effort. Hmm. So that's all about efficiency, speed, um, streamline, um, and how much physical effort I can I actually put out without dying, or training myself to that. So, but that's the actual training aspect of it. Is that's all about what's how much effort can I get in for the least amount of mileage? Mm. In other words, I want some big clunker that I can get the most amount of effort without having to stop at uh, traffic lights or, or or slow down for corners because it's a big clunker. So it's all about um, how can I get a gas with the least amount of distance having to be travelled. So and that's why it's, it's a speed machine or it's a machine that's made um, for me to really work really hard fly yeah. along. There's very little in between in my life, So um, and also I like functionality most of my bikes because I don't own a car, mm-hmm. but I ride out on the very same bikes that if I need to be from where I am to 10 miles away to visit a very or social function and there's a blizzard on and it's back, I've got to get there. <laughs> so it's, it's got to be you have to be functional minded if you don't own a car it's, it's not an easy gig, when I find somebody, oh, I'll get up the car, this is great, I can say I got a place, but then they got some people, they think, oh hold on <laughs> this is a challenge and that's why my bikes are, are, seem all very functional, because they have to be Hmm,
1: oh that makes the most perfect sense. Uh one what, what, what of the uh, d- during the um, the sort of build up to to go into America, you you, you face challenges which are beyond the bike. Um, and I'm thinking, you know, for, for 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 all of the revealing that you tell us about where you've come from and the difficulties you've overcome, you're then actually faced with an an extreme challenge that where you you have to have an operation. Um, you, show yeah, us the, you, show, you show us the staples that are holding the, 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 the wound together uh, and then and then if that's not bad enough you then get an abscess as well so I mean I, I couldn't quite get it from the film but in sort of timeline terms how far away were you from going to Battle Mountain and, and how long did that take out of your...
2: Well the whole thing took about six weeks out of it from Jeez. about three months well that was April, end of April so start of May and we start of starting recovery, May, June, July, August and then September to America. So um there was a lot of recovery from the first operation, which was three days of, of surgery, um, as it turned out. Yeah. And um, and then try to recover from that and then it becomes infected later. And um, not, not, we're not talking a spot here. We're talking about something the size of of a half a grapefruit. Yeah, yeah,
1: you say in the film, um, it's quite
2: frightening. Yeah, like this huge thing, and so, um, so that's a month of hobbling about and and crutches and stuff, um, and it's just it's just not good. And so, but ultimately, you just have to you can always step up with what you've got. So. Um, it, it was it, there's a whole lot of of adversity. I mean, from a filmmaking point of view, you couldn't have made a better script in terms of, of no, no. I was going to say
1: if, if I'd made it, oh, you'd have, people have gone. Oh, you've gone too far now. You've gone too
2: it, far. <laughs> you made that up. Um, the Rocky story, the, the last ride, the last day, the guy breaks the record and, and steps up and is all stressed out, not stressed out, but thinking, like, oh, this, is, this is the time I'm on, I've, I've, got to, I've got to have this hell of high water. <laughs> um, and there's like, um, it's, it's a week-long event, you see, and it was absolutely die the bar to start with and get slightly better, slightly better, and then flop over the line with the world record and, on the last day and... and and you're thinking that's got the scripted jury, but no, <laughs> there
0: it was.
1: But I think, but I think it's an, but but that that element of the story of you having the the, the sort of a, a operation and then the abscesses is, is an amazing example of what because you talk a lot about not wanting to be a quitter, um, and that being a very important part, to, you know, sort of justifying yourself really as a as a as a as as a human being. It seems to be what you're saying. I mean, there must have come a t- I mean, in that. In the darkest days of that, of of being physically held up, you know, forget that. Because obviously all the challenges we see on the film, the challenges of putting the bike together and the the trial and error, the you know, the the, the two o'clock in the morning, sanding down the fiberglass and stuff. But this is this is a problem which is kind of, you know, you know, the phrase the black swan. This is the thing that nobody saw coming.
2: Well, absolutely. Another thing is, I'm stood up in the own at like two in the morning, and with my leg bandaged up and stuff, trying to balance and 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 actually, um, it's not sanding down and fiberglass is not what it was. Uh, the, the filth and dunge of this, mm. um, and and the stench of it, and it's just unbelievable um, misery. And and you put rubber gloves on, and 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 the materials, the 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 um, the resins that you have to use is is actually your gloves start to fall apart and it's on to your fingernails. And think about chewing, melted chewing gum times ten. And and it's just, and I don't know if I was a rat in the last life, but anything stuck around my fingers, like that. you can't get it off even with washing up liquid or anything. It just it's, it's 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 worse than chewing gum, and it just, and it's awful, and 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 in the tiredness, and then you have to train to some degree. And then the whole pressures and oh my goodness, it I pushes the edge of your ability to carry on. Uh, to put it that way, uh,
1: you 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 encapsulate the um the, the the sort of effort and mentality needed to do these kind of feats as sort of f- oh sorry, success and failure. You describe as being sort of failing to access that extra one percent, and you and you, you you sort of again using using your um. You say that that adrenaline that gets your kid out of a burning building is the way you describe it, and that's and for me that's a fascinating analogy. That that um, that almost like you 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 you, desc- you then go on to say that the crisis of failure is what enables you to summon up the strength to do better. So you but, kind of have to push yourself into a bad place to get the best out of yourself. Is that is that my understanding? That, that right, right? Well,
2: absolutely, and it's good that we're speaking now because there's been a passage of time to see more perspective. Um, but really I'm more likening the whole thing to a war, <laughs> where setbacks and everything, and, and, and did, like, the first part of the war trends, warfare, that's kind of how long the whole thing took. Mm. Um, and it was like going on and on and, and, and back and all, and, and uh, it was like on the back foot all the time. And, and the length of it and, and just tie on to, and then once you're in it you can't get out. I mean in nineteen sixteen after the first world war they're thinking, Oh, this is awful, how you can get out of this but you can't, you've got tie it on to the end. Mm. So a lot because the project was gonna end in two thousand and twelve and then a whole lot of problems with the shell and everything else and right, okay it's now two thousand and thirteen and now you, <laughs> so and then you get on with the film and now the film's out. So um the whole project has taken on a, a warlike like quality in terms of its time and and how much length of time they have to be resilient and carry on for. It's not like, I wham bam there you go world record. It, it, it was like, um, the length of time involved in this.
1: Well, I, think, I mean, I, think, I guess the important thing to point out because I mean, it may sound to those people listening to this podcast that haven't seen the movie that that you know that there is a kind of real war of attrition going on of, of which you know there's a lot of struggle. But I think one of the main things, the other, the other thing that comes out of the film is your undying your sense of humour, I think, is, is an important part of, of how you get through this as well. I mean, it may be, it may be rooted in a kind of gallows humour of like, you know, it would be much easier just to not do this. But, you know, I'm going to do. But my, fa- my favourite, I think it was like you, you actually, it was a pointed gag, actually, where you talked about your sandwich having selfish paste on, where you up the ante of marmite and mustard. So that nobody wants to sandwich off you.
2: <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's like selfish <laughs> paste and as well it's, it's good and Mustard in it. But you can have a sandwich if you want like that. So Do you, um, do you see
1: that though, that that, that that your sense of humour comes across in the film as much as any as much like you say, I mean you do let yourself bear with, with your honesty, but also I think what you reveal about yourself is a man with a sense of humour as well.
2: Well I think it's a very British thing as well. I mean and. Um, people from, that are not British well we joke about some adversity or or something as a as, as a way well there's a newspaper article I oh, thought that's right enough. Um about how we even in times of war and stuff we have a joke and about the situation and the blitz and stuff like that. Mm. Um because humour takes away a lot of elements of really you should be really, really, really down about it. Mm. Um, so humor has its place and I think in a lot of ways of that the are we all gonna have a laugh? And if you look at Blackadder and the First World War scenes, and it's like, well, it's it's a joke and stuff that gets, makes light of a of a terrible situation. Mm. So I think, um, well, to be honest, and having been in mental institutions, there's enough there human mental institutions, and they're like right, laughing, smoke them and folk and joking while you're trying to kill yourself, This and that, and have a laugh and stuff. And you're thinking that's just total. That's 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 off off the rails. That's <laughs> unacceptable, but that's people get better, in there
1: Well, yeah, um, I guess if you got to face up to it, then that's the best way to sort of get get over it. To deny it is to is to suppress it, isn't it?
2: Oh, well, that's exactly. Yeah. it you can say something really depressing and, and, and realistic about something. Like you can make a joke. Um, I, I think I'd rather just make a joke about it because people know the, the situation you're a pressured and stuff like that. Um, so that well, certainly that's 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 been my response. Um, we just try and don't to do it in an inappropriate manner. People don't understand that humour. How,
1: how did it? How did it feel to have your kids on board for this one, for this challenge?
2: Well, that that was great having Jamie out in America. Hmm and because we really, at the bottom line it was all hands on board I and mean, even Gary that was actually given to a job independent, actually to watch us actually got involved in our, our project mm. and so it was like we're so, oh my goodness this is back against the wall time and it was like to start and, and, and drive and the vehicle following and stuff like that and, mm. and it was like um, yeah, it was like some foreign expedition that was, like, expeditionary force, just undermanned and, 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 didn't everything help from any angle we not get. So, that's kind of how it got down to him. And, and Jamie being there was, was, was one body that needed there, so, and, and, and also Jamie knew that I was so pressured, not just by the project, but as much equally pressured by the film in itself. Mm. Um... So and 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 the quantity of kind of pushed to you know, to be rounded. I about a bit your whole past that I really want behind me. Um and so there's that and talk the pressure. Talk a bit like you know the whole suicide and things of the past that was like 15 years ago. Yeah yeah yeah. Um so that doesn't add to your well-being. So he knew that I was so stressed and pressured with it. He wanted to beat you and be there, that, you know. In that pleasure situation.
1: Well, look, um, Battle Mountain, um, it opens first week of April, doesn't it? It's going to be showing at a few selected it, it, it cinemas.
2: Does. And I do like this pilot for, the, for the viewers, but the main character survives in the end. <laughs> Which is what I like about the film more than anything else, i <laughs> yeah, I
1: think I think me and you talking about the film give everybody that clue, but... Um, but yes, uh, we'll keep that spoiler in then. That you you do su- you do survive to uh, to tell the tale of, uh, of yeah, Battlemaster. Right, and I'm
2: hoping, but well, I'm definitely going to be. the would say definitely. If I can get hit a meteorite or something. But um, but I'm um, certainly it's my plans to be there at the, at the cinema.
1: Yeah, you're going to be doing some Q and A's, aren't you?
2: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You've probably stung stole the thunder right enough. I, I'll prime people for even more in depth questions. I love in depth questions. so That's cool.
1: Well, I'll, I'll be. I, I'm. 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 be hosting the one at, um, at Hackney Picture House. So, oh, uh, I
2: think we'll we get to meet in person.
1: Indeed, we will. Indeed, we will. Um, Beatrice Newman, one of your producers, is um, is a is a close neighbour of mine. She lives up the road. So uh, mm-hmm. she said to me, "Would I be interested in doing it?" And I said, "Yes."
2: Oh my goodness, spooky! <laughs> um, well, you know what? I look forward to it.
1: Indeed, indeed. Well, look. Thank you very much for your time on on the Britflix podcast to talk to talk about battle mountain it's a i've been mean, for the listener it's it's a brilliant documentary about uh, and it gives a, it gives us it gives an insight into who you are but also from from a past point of view but also in the white hot heat of a challenge it really shows how i don't know how you do it and i don't know how you did it but it's all there on the count on the film and you do so uh, hats off to you and uh long may it continue sir.
2: Hello. Hello.
1: Hello, Graham.
2: Oh, you, you just lost internet there.
1: That was amazing. I was doing my whole eulogy to you, and uh, and, and I finished, and I thought have i said something
2: wrong. You know, you have delete button, you have lost all again.
1: No, the thing's recorded. Um, I was just wrapping up then. and I was just saying, you know, that it was uh, it was um, it make it's an amazing thing to watch, where you know, against all it's it sort of the film itself gives, gives us gives us gives us some of who you are and how you've got here but more than anything else it shows you in the moment in the white hot heat of a challenge and how you you know you just don't give up
2: well thanks for that and, and i'd like to thank the, the the listener for actually taking interest in and in this um slightly aging guy coming back and doing stuff and and uh, the white heat of what I really did in the 90s, the, the records that means a lot to the the the, the mainstream world cycle world, um, was 19 mid 90s. So, what's um, of interest now is uh, I appreciate that.
1: So, are you are you like like uh, is it is it is, is more challenges on the horizon, or are you going to be uh, passing on the mantle and being the kind of coach on the side to help somebody else do this kind of thing next?
0: Well,
2: actually, I'm not really interested in the challenges in terms of. Um I've, I've moved on to um, being at one with the moment.
0: Brilliant.
2: And being at one with what you, you have. You don't need more to feel good. Okay. Um I've got enough today rather than more tomorrow. And and that's how I feel I've spent with that within the moment. So that's my that's my life way and so I've no real challenges. Having said that, um, I'm just in the last few pages of my own how you no know, one's talking about how it was yeah. Uh, with the, the mental illness and everything like that in my life.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, well the how it is and how it comes to be that it is, um, isn't covered and then it's too deep in, and I'm not we'll talking about myself, but that whole journey to that, um, is a book called Enough, which I'm just um finishing now. I've always promised I would have a book out there and the remit, so well, the remit's clear, to, people can take help from it. But mm. the format was always a problem in terms of, I'm not qualified to give anybody advice. but I've made so many changes in my life, so basically, I just tell that my journey to how I am now and feel absolutely fine with no medication and, and no um, mental illness, and, and I all that from where I came from. Mm. So, so that is my challenge to get that as succinctly and honestly as I can.
1: Well, you know you're you're an inspiration to a lot to a lot of people, I imagine. Um, certainly, um, like I say, when, when I when I, I mean I didn't say it before, but when I, when I saw Flying Scotsman, it, it wasn't the story I was expecting because I didn't know the story and what it shows. It really got it really touched me. I mean, I, I, I cried at the cinema when I watched the movie. Um, so it's if if you if you're if you're unraveling that further in a book, then that can only serve a, a positive
2: positive aim well actually i was at a bike show just last weekend mm. um, and somebody came up to me or a stranger and they've talked to strangers and i was there speak to everybody and he said actually you know my mate had a real problem right then um and a white right state um and it was gone for months and, and stuff and he watched the flying Scotsman. me wasn't a cyclist and then um because of the content i didn't want initially he goes you know what i'm changing my life uh, and that the effect of that film changed one human being, mm. and you know that makes it all worth it. And to get feedback like that, then you guys hold on. It's self-centred to not share your life to mm. some degree because if some people can take strength from it, then you think, hold on, we're on the planet mm. once, and the sense of purpose and in putting something back. So um, I'm, I'm at one with it all.
1: Well, look, with that in mind, then, I I look forward to meeting you then in a couple of weeks' time at Hackney Picture House and we get to shake hands and talk face-to-face.
2: I I look forward to it. I will see you then.
1: Indeed, indeed. Take care, Graham. Thanks very much for your time.
2: Thank you. Thanks. Bye.
1: If you don't already subscribe to BritFlix, just sign up for free at iTunes and you'll get the next episode right after we launch it. Or follow at BritFlix on Twitter for links to the podcast to stream from the website directly.